So many quote-unquote gospels look pretty good. And in fact, many try to blend because it all looks good. So we'll see today, the gospel freedom must not be compromised. Join us. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a pinch of this over here, and voila, we got ourselves a gospel that looks pretty good. Really appealing, too. But is it the true gospel? And does it bring true freedom? You see, only the true gospel brings true freedom, and it must not be compromised. Welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us back to Galatians chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 16, as we continue our series, The Gospel Brings Freedom. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. This is probably the most biographical of all of Paul's writings, except maybe 2 Corinthians. Uh, You have to read the book of Acts if you want to see what's going on. Uh, And you won't even get what goes on in Galatians. Uh, In the first two chapters, it's very biographical. And to just set the mood for you, chapter 2 is a tough passage. Paul sounds sarcastic uh, at times. He sounds disrespectful to the apostles in Jerusalem. And even the Greek scholars, they struggle with the broken uh, syntax of uh, Galatians uh, 1, chapter 2, 1 through 10. It's because what it is, when a man is under attack about his credential and about his right, uh, we like, our whole picture of greatness is meekness, let's say in the church, and, and like this. And the men who are always the most suspicious to us are the fighters for truth. Because when you fight for truth, you can become cantankerous, and you may not seem to be loving. And so at times you may pick that up with Paul, but you must know he is coming under attack that he doesn't know what he's talking about, that the gospel he's preaching to the Gentiles is not complete, uh, that he's not uh, really in keeping with the Jerusalem apostles. So men are coming in, false brethren, undermining his ministry, throwing doubts on his credentials. So he gives us this biographical defense, and it's not ultimately to defend himself, but to defend the message he's preaching. Because they're disparaging who the man is, that they may say, Paul is all right as far as he goes, but he's incomplete in his message. So you Gentiles are incomplete. Because he's not been preaching to you the law of Moses. He's been preaching the gospel, which goes this way. When we say gospel, it means this. That a man or woman can be completely acceptable and righteous before God by doing nothing more than believing in the work that God the Son did for them on the cross. And that is, he bore God's righteous penalty against our sins and he paid it fully, and all that God requires to be right before him is to receive the Son by faith. That's the gospel. Really simple, isn't it? Let's begin. 
chapter 2. Fourteen years later, he's still in the defense. He's giving us this all the way from 1 and chapter 2. So he's continuing his historical, biographical, how he had got to where he is. Fourteen years later, after he was converted, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, another Jewish believer. I took Titus along. Now, Titus is a Greek convert, a Gentile. I took Titus along. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Think of this. Going to Jerusalem with a convert that had not been circumcised, and you're going into a cultural setting where Jews were forbidden to eat with Gentiles, forbidden to be in a room with an uncircumcised man. You did not even share meals together. And Paul drags Titus along to the chief headquarters of the church, to the head apostles. And instead of stopping to get him circumcised, he said, come with me. You're good enough just like you are. This is, this is radical. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose. Now, what matter? Pressure came on them when they were in Jerusalem to get him circumcised. This matter, his circumcision, even came up because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. I want us to look at three things today as we're going to go to verse 16. The gospel is all that is necessary to be acceptable to God. Two, we're going to look in verses 5 through 10 that the gospel to the Gentiles is the very gospel that Peter was taking to the Jews. There's not two gospels, two churches, a Jewish church and a Gentile church. Same gospel in his soul. Thirdly, we want to see this gospel and its implications must never be compromised. And we'll see Paul and Peter have a severe confrontation. So what he's saying here, he goes up to Jerusalem. Why did he go? Was he summoned by Peter? Was he sent a denominational letter? Get up here so we can straighten you out. He said, no, no, no. I went after I had been preaching 14 years. And I went because I got a divine revelation from Christ to go up. I did not go under compulsion. I didn't go up to be uh, reprimanded. I didn't go up as some junior apostle. I went because the Christ who saved me and gave this gospel by revelation, he told me, you go to Jerusalem and take these men with you. So he wants you to know that he is not a slave to the other apostles. He's not looking over his shoulder. Peter, do I have it right? Uh, James, do I have it right? John, do I? He said, oh, no, no. 
I've been preaching it 14 years before I even went up. First time I went to just visit with Peter for two weeks. This time I go up on a different, and some believe this visit is he went up because Agabus had prophesied there'd be a severe famine and eventually gets there and they all agreed to raise money even among the Gentiles to help the suffering Jewish believers in Jerusalem. So he goes up, but he wants us to know I went up, and when I got there, I've got Titus. Everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, one day when I'm visiting with the apostles, most likely, somebody comes in and says, hey, what about him? Yeah, what about him? Well, if he's going to be accepted by us, he's got to be circumcised. And that sounded pretty good to everybody. Probably didn't sound too good to Titus. And Paul said, wait, in essence, wait a minute. You don't have to be circumcised to be accepted by God. He gave that as a covenant mark of the ethnic people of Israel. He never gave it for salvation. He never gave it. No Jew was ever saved by doing it. Don't include this in the salvation package. And imagine Paul there, a Pharisee by training, a, of the tribe of Benjamin, a thoroughbred Jewish brilliant mind saved. No, Titus, you will not be. I will resist you that the truth of the gospel, verse 5, is not going to be diluted. And some message, get back to the Gentiles, It's not good enough to believe in Christ. You must practice Judaism. No. And he refuses. Now he goes on to tell you how he went on to see these apostles. And so he goes on. And he says, the gospel that I preach is the gospel that Peter, James, and John, they preach. Listen. As for those who seem to be important, now this sounds a little sarcastic, whatever they were makes no difference to me. Now, you know, you think of it. Who was educated, Peter or Paul? Read your Bible. Paul, he was the trained Pharisee. Gamaliel, Peter was trained at sardine and bait. I mean, he's a fisherman. He's the poor boy. He's the local guy that didn't get out of junior high. Paul has gone all the way through Harvard. He's brilliant. I'm not impressed with all these guys up in Jerusalem. You remember, I got saved without ever meeting them. I never did meet. And I got my message. I didn't get it. They didn't mail me a letter and mail me a set of sermons for the year. I've been preaching for 14 years and people have been being saved all over Derby, Lystria, Cilicia. Hey, God's doing great things. So I'm not all impressed. Credentials, I counted all that but rubbish that I may know Christ. Philippians says that. He said, God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. Wow. They added nothing. Well, where are you getting your stuff, boy? I'm getting it from heaven. Getting it from Christ. Well, have you ever been ordained up there? No, I was ordained, knocked off the back of a donkey. 
I was ordained. Messiah laid his hands on me in Acts 9. Wow. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. I mean, he's just saying, we're in agreement. We're in fellowship one with another. Uh, So I want these false brethren, these Judaizers, that keep saying, I don't have the right gospel, telling my converts, you've got to go through Jerusalem. You've got to take on Jewish dietary laws and Jewish practices. All he's saying is, you don't have to make them into another ethnic group to be right with God. God is not saving anyone on that basis. And so... uh, he says they gave him the right hand. And I, I kind of get tickled here. Can't you hear them? We agree you ought to go to the Gentiles. <laughs> if you want them, you can have them. We want to stay among our own people. And uh, just you go out there, but we are in agreement. We're preaching the same truths. And if we have a Jewish congregation that are Christian, Jewish Christians, and observe Sabbath and and observe all the Jewish things, not for righteousness, not for salvation, but as part of culture and a part of our ethnicity, that's okay. But Paul, you go in this same gospel, preach among Gentiles, and let them retain their cultural distinctions, not for salvation, but just to who they are. So they give him the right hand of fellowship, and they all agreed that he should remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Uh, so, when you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, guess who Paul's raising money for among the Corinthians and the Gentiles? You know who they're raising money for? The Jewish believers back in Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Judea, they were suffering. When they came to Christ, they were excluded from the family, excluded from the synagogue, and they were having a famine. And guess what? One of the great things God used to bind these two peoples together is the Gentile Christians begin to send an offering to Jerusalem and say, you're our brothers in Christ, and your needs are our needs, and we're going to share with you. One of the greatest ways we can cross racial barriers is to meet their physical needs. Would you share your meal with another race? Would you share your finances with someone that doesn't look like you? Would you share what you've got because they're just human beings, and especially if they're a brother and sister in Christ? So this is what happens. So he's saying, number one, I know who I am. I led a man to the Lord named Titus, and I wouldn't even submit in Jerusalem to all the pressure to turn him and make him more Jewish because that's not my mission. My mission is to get them to Christ not to make them Jewish. Then, when I got into Jerusalem, guess what? The Jewish Christian leaders, James, John, Peter, we're all in agreement. We shook hands on it. We preached the same gospel. So don't create two churches, a Jewish church and a Gentile church. 
One Christ, one church, one gospel. And so he's fighting for that. Now he goes into an episode that uh, is, uh, wow, it's a, uh, a tough incident, but we've got to see it. He gets into a face-to-face confrontation with the leading apostle to the Jews, and he rebukes him, and that's tough. Anytime you take on another leader and you do it in front of people, it's fairly serious. Watch what happened. We'll look at it three, this way. We're going to look at what Peter did and what Paul did. And we look at what Peter did, we'll look at what he did, why he did it, and what happened as a result. Then we're going to see what Paul did, why he did it, and what the result was. So, let's see what Peter did. When Peter came to Antioch, now Antioch is north of Jerusalem. It's the Syrian Antioch. There's one that's over here, but in your Bible, it's right north of uh, Jerusalem, and it's where Christians, or where people were first called Christians was at Antioch, and it's where Paul hung out. This is his neighborhood ministry. Damascus was up there, and he had led many people to the Lord in that area. And so, Peter, on some occasion, makes a visit up there. And so, he uh, comes into a situation when there's many Gentile believers. Now, there were some Jews that had been saved there in Antioch, too. And when he got there, guess what? The Jews and Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, and Gen- they were eating together. They went to a crab feed together. They're having bacon and eggs together. And they were having bagels and beef. They were sharing recipes with each other. Because they had the love feast, you know, before they took communion. So they believed they probably were having the love feast, having the communion. They were just having a ball swapping recipes that they could never swap for 1,500 years. Because the gospel had removed ethnic requirements for fellowship. And Peter went down there, and guess what? He loved it. He just jumped in there, and he started ordering bacon, sausage, (laughs) hog's feet, uh, goat head gravy. The boy was going wild. I mean, he never tasted this stuff in his life. And in the Greek, it's imperfect tense. He was doing this all the time. He couldn't wait to get with his Gentile brothers and sisters. Uh, He's had enough. He he knows kosher. But man, this is good stuff. And he's eating, having a ball, and hugging on one another. He's not even asking a brother, Susie shakes hand, hey, how you doing? Are you circumcised? (laughs) Didn't even have to do that. They didn't ask that question there. And uh, when the menu came around, you didn't have to say, I, I got to read Leviticus 11 here to see if I could eat this. You know why? God in Acts 10 and 11 had shown him three times, brought down the heavenly approved menu. And he brought that menu down and he saw everything. He said, I saw snakes. I saw crabs. Snails. I saw everything that ought to kill a man. I saw it on there. 
And I said, whoa, whoa, Lord, you, you put down the wrong sheet. Moses gave me a different sheet. And God says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. I want you to take and eat. And God did that to him three times. Do you think he was a little stubborn? Three times. And so he had been revealed. Has God revealed your menu? I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you're eating. You should stop eating. It's hard on your heart and cholesterol. But here, this Jewish boy, God had to show him the new menu. And he saw all this stuff. And then he goes back to Jerusalem. He said, hey, Cornelius got saved. They said, what is he? Italian. Oh, man. Man, there you go ruining the church. The first Gentile was an Italian. And we've been talking ever since. And linguisa's in. You know, all of this stuff. And he said, yeah, but God showed me that he's accepted these Gentiles. He saved him. He even came down and they all started speaking in tongues. And my brothers that were with me said, wow, they're getting the same Holy Spirit we got in the beginning. What's going on? He said, all I know is God told me to go there. I even went in the house with him and I, told, I apologized to the Gentiles that I shouldn't even be in this house. I never am in the same house with you Gentiles. Read it in Acts 10. I mean, it's really... So God had already worked on this boy of what he could eat, what he could mix, that he was straight on the gospel and he wasn't compromising the gospel by coming in contact with these uncircumcised Gentiles that eat everything. So here we go. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James. Now James in Acts 15 said he didn't send them, but they claimed it. He used to eat with the Gentiles all the time. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Just think of it. One day he's there eating, and all of a sudden he sees some obvious Jewish brothers, so-called, among them. And when he gets there, they said, Peter, wait. What are you doing here? Well, man, we we eat together. We've just come from James, and this is wrong. You are wrong. You are violating the law. You're making yourself unclean. This is wrong. You must not do this. And guess what? Peer pressure, quoting another respected man that knew God, and Peter knows God, he caved in under the pressure and he began to play the hypocrite. And the word for hypocrite here means it was the word to play act. He began to act out like the Gentiles were unclean when all the time he knew God had shown him that cheat. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 
As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855-833-9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report, that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil. And should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.